welcome to the Bible Feed podcast, a place for conversations about the Bible and faith in the modern world, where ordinary people come together to help each other understand the Bible better. Let's get started. So welcome to another Bible Feed conversation. Uh, this is the first one that we are putting out in uh, in a new year, 2021. And so for a new year, we have a new guest. And so I'm delighted to welcome Becky Lewis for this uh, this conversation. Hi, Becky. Hi. And we've we've chosen to explore together for this uh, this episode, this conversation, an, an aspect of how we think about God, how we perceive God, and and what He's about, what His aims and objectives are. And because we like to keep things uh, practical and and think about things that have practical implication. Uh, appreciating that different perspectives and understandings of, of, of what God is and, and what his objectives are can lead us to significantly different behaviours and outcomes uh, for us. So, so Becky, why why so much interest in, in this topic? Um, well, I think when we talk about religion or uh, specifically Christianity, we tend to focus on uh, what we want to get out of it or um, what will happen to us if we choose to accept it or reject it. Um, but I think while that's understandably important, I think uh, the perspectives we get in the Bible are interesting and refreshing because they're not always from that point of view there's a wider perspective at play there um so although i think we'll be touching on quite a few of the areas that you've already covered in other episodes uh, such as the way of grace human nature um i'm hoping to be looking at them at a sort of slightly different angle and think about what's god's objective in all of this um <laughs> i'm not claiming that you know i'm going to be talking about life the universe and everything and have all the answers or anything it's just um the bible does tell us um what god has in mind i think um and i think what he has in mind is encouraging and relevant to everyone cool okay so so for the purpose of of this discussion uh, you mentioned it there we're going to take the bible as as our source of information on on god now whatever you think about other sources of information that we might be able to to, to, to perceive god we're going to stick with what we can perceive from the bible yeah so now that's a book that's it's been around a long time um so you'd think that religion christianity would have pretty much sorted out how mm. to perceive and understand god from that is, is that not the case um I, not necessarily i don't think no um it's such an ancient text and um when we think about something that's been around for so a long time and has had such a massive influence on society um i think our view of it is bound to be tainted by the culture we're living in um, and culture of the past as well um and i think there are assumptions we could easily make which are actually the opposite of what i think the bible presents for okay. us um so although i think actually quite a lot of mainstream christians are deconstructing a large part of that um, and going back to what the Bible says, um, I think what we see in media and pop- popular culture, um, I think that they're, they're representing God differently to how the Bible does. Um, and so if, if your main input on what the God of the Bible is like is from TV series like The Good Place or Good Omens, um, you might assume God is different to how he's presented in the Bible. Um, they tend to present God as someone who's very distant, who who keeps humans at arm's length. Um, there's a kind of set of rules and, and that we need to follow. And this life is just a test to see whether yeah. we go to the good or the bad place. Um, and it, it's, it kind of presents life as, as little more than an exam where we just need to tick the right boxes. And it presents God as a kind of uh, Victorian father who's distant and, and sort of emotionally unavailable. And you, you almost get the impression that you might not even meet God in the afterlife, whatever you think that is. 
um, you know, there's this kind of degrees of separation there, even, um, you know, in the afterlife. So an extreme example of this, I think, is something that was written in the 14th century, which was um, by Dante, a poem called The Divine Comedy, which isn't really a comedy. Yeah. Um, but it describes nine levels of heaven and nine levels of hell. Um, and and, and it's sort of almost kind of gives the impression that people are in these different classes um, to each other, even in the afterlife. Um, now, I don't think many Christians actually believe this. Um, they'd accept it's not in the Bible. But I think it's very much part of our popular culture. It's kind of baked into our psyche through TV and literature. Um, and I'm, I guess I'm just raising it as an example because... Um, this dividing people into categories or tiers, which is our favourite yeah. word at the moment, um, and and of God being this distant, unreachable entity who doesn't really care about what's happening. As um, you know, he just doesn't really emotionally interact with us. Right. Things don't affect him. He's just too unreachable. I think that is pretty much the opposite of how the Bible describes God. And I feel like I want to kind of counterbalance what we're presenting okay. a little bit in, in popular culture and kind of say, well, hang on a minute. Um, this isn't actually what the Bible says. Right. OK, so so that, that popular culture right from the 14th century and maybe yeah. earlier and, and onwards is is picking up on it and just emphasising, overemphasising this aspect of, of, uh, of God as being distant, uh, unapproachable. Um, and uh, and yeah, you mentioned the Divine Comedy, not not something that is sourced from the Bible necessarily, but an example of that, uh, that kind of thinking. But I can kind of see why that, why people might come to that view. Um, because when you think about what, God is as creator, this all-powerful being, it's perhaps not surprising that you think, well, that's not something you can understand, get close to. Uh, and and it's some aspects of what the Bible says about God, no one can see him and live, mm. sort of emphasizes that transcendent aspect of, of God's God's nature. So are, are you are you saying that, that that view is just too simplistic? Yeah, I mean, that, that that idea is in there. Um, and I, I guess you, you may have talked about this in, in past episodes, talking about the kind of hiddenness of God mm. um, and having to use humans to kind of as, as intermediaries and messengers yeah. and needing angels to um, communicate uh, messages with humans. Um, but I think the, the overarching theme in the Bible, which appears over and over again, is this idea of God working towards being one with humanity and, and that he's emotionally invested in what is happening on this planet um, and he's actively working towards trying to be more connected and more close to us um, and and that also as humans we are on a level playing field we're not mm. although we, we like to categorize each other and put ourselves into different um, classes and approval ratings yeah um, that that's not what God is working towards and in fact that is part of the problem I think that the yeah. God is working to resolve okay well, well maybe maybe now's the time to look at an example of that from, okay. from the Bible okay so um if we look at um the creation pair of Adam and Eve um in the early chapters of Genesis um they're described as being made in the image of God um and it was quite unusual in the ancient world at this time to have a founding story of a nation talking about all humans coming from one human pair. We, we kind of take that for granted now. Um, mm. But that it, it was quite unusual to say that humans are all part of the same family. They're all descended from the same yeah. 
you know, starting pair, um, rather than one tribe being su- superior over another tribe or one tribe being descended from the gods and the others are just yeah. immortal. Yeah. Um, but the, the the this narrative in Genesis presents humans as um, being having this huge potential to reflect the glory of God, to be the image of God, um, and there's a role there that humans are required to play. Um, but what's interesting for for our discussion is that it's not two images, it's not two images of God that are separate, but the way uh, that as in Adam and Eve, Adam and, and Eve, yeah, and yeah, two humans making up one image. Um, so so the verses say um, this is kind of like a poem. Uh, in Genesis, it says, uh, God created humanity in the image of God. He created it male and female. He created them. Yeah. Um, so these these two people are, are viewed as two halves of a whole and then asked to multiply and, and fill the earth. Yeah. Um, so you, right from the from the start of the Bible, you get this message that it's crucial for the survival of humans that they're not the same as each other, um, but that they are able to work together. And in working together collectively, they have the potential to, to be the image of God. Um, so they need to learn from each other, relate to each other, work together as a species Um so, so no one person, I, I don't think, can can image God on their own. Um, it's it's a kind of team effort of of the human species, and that's the kind of the role that God has given us. Okay, I mean that that's a that's a really fascinating way of looking at that idea right there in these those opening chapters of of, of the Bible. Yeah. Um, and as you were talking, it reminded me of what Paul said on on Mars Hill when he said. Um, now, all nations are are of one, are from one. Yes. Um, and he seems to be emphasising that because he was talking to the Athenians and they thought they were made from the soil of the area around Athens and were therefore superior to to the peoples around them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and he's pointing out, no, we're all of one, all all from all the same. Um, but and. And you talk about the, the aim of being um, collectively representing the image of God. But I see a bit of a problem there in that um, I wouldn't claim to be in the image of God <laughs> uh, very well, reflecting that. And and the only person of whom it has ever been said um, that he was effective at reflecting the image of God is Jesus. Um, yeah. The rest of us, perhaps not so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... That yes, it almost kind of um, puts an emphasis on on how we're not very good at being images of God, doesn't it? When we look at it from that point of view, the, the way it's described in the New Testament is that Jesus is the the head of the body. Um, so so the, the church is described as the body of Christ um, and Jesus being the head. And if we can try and learn to think like Jesus, um, then we can start to grow up into this image. Um, and it's almost like we're trying to be better than the sum of our parts rather than what tends mm. to happen with um, human projects and, and cultures is that we we tend to become worse than the sum of our parts so it's it's kind of trying to adopt this mind of jesus um, and that kind of almost pushes us in a in a, a more positive direction i think where we can start to work towards this potential mm. that, that god has given us um it's, it involves us being connected now. So it, we can start this kind of maturing process now. We don't have to sit around and wait until um, kingdom come and th- then we can do it. Right. Um, we're meant to be learning how to do this now. Um, so, and then that process is, is con- going to continue into the future, I think. Um, so when Jesus talks about the two great commands of loving God and loving your neighbour, I, I think he sees this as a, a linked process, that you learn to love God and therefore you love your neighbour and you love your neighbour and in doing so you show the love of God. Mm. Um, so there's a kind of it's a horizontal link and a vertical link um, where we're all trying to become one. Yeah, and he's drawing those commands from the Old Testament. Yeah, 
Yeah, places this like Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here, here, O Israel, our our God is the Lord, only the Lord. Okay, so so I, I I get that. So so through Jesus, although although we we can't reflect the image of God perfectly, so through Jesus as the genuine image of God, we can connect with Jesus and we can connect with God. But we can also express that connection by connecting with each other. Yeah, yeah. I got, got yeah. that right. Yeah. Even though it's not perfect, yeah, it's a process. Um, and and it also reminds me that um, something that that John wrote in one of his epistles that you can't really have those connections without each other um, he says something like you know if anyone says I love God and hates his brother he is a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen yeah and then yeah, yeah it's also in James 3 I think um, yeah yeah how can you praise God with one in one yeah. sentence and then the next sentence criticize people who are made in the likeness of God yeah, yeah. it's all connected okay. yeah so this um idea of um making kind of people whole and connecting them with God reuniting them with communities this is what this is the work that Jesus did I think he um chose to notice people who were outcasts from their community they were rejected mm. by the people or they weren't even allowed to go near other people let alone go in the temple so for example lepers um people who are just um Perhaps they weren't part of the Jewish community, so um, like Samaritan woman, for example. Um, he goes around, Jesus goes around and connects those people back with their communities. He heals them so that they can um, meet with people again. Um, and the way he does that, the way he kind of gives them that focus and that attention and he's kind of present with them, it's demonstrating how <clears throat> God loves them. It's, it's showing that God cares about each individual person and how they relate to other people and sees that as important. Um, so, yeah, a, a lot of pain in this world, as we, we've seen through the pandemic, it, a lot of pain is caused by a lack of connection with others. It's a basic human need that we have to be connected with other people um, and to have things in common with them and share things with them. And these are really big themes in the Bible, themes like, you know, you get words like fellowship and community and um, it's, re- it's a really integral part of the Christian message, I think. And it's something that we can almost take for granted because we're so used to it in our um, society because we've come from a kind of Christian background. It, it's it's so it's just such a big part of the New Testament, I think. Yeah, and, and I, I think at the time of, of Jesus, you know, society, and I guess it, it always has been and, and is today, people are very aware of, of where they sit in mm-hmm. the social strata of society. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, you're, you're allowed to treat people below you in a certain way and you treat people above you in, in a different way. And, and, and the effect of Jesus teaching and his work is very much a leveling, leveling out of, of humanity. We're all absolutely all, yeah. all of, of from one, and and essentially all the same. Um, and that's that, that's that's a great idea to to kind of think about and work with. But so far, we've we've just picked that up from some aspects of what Jesus said. He picked up those those two greatest commands, um, uh, and, and we've seen how Jesus used those. So, but how much of this idea of connection is is a theme? Okay. What, what what can we look at as other examples? Well, uh, the prayer that Jesus makes um, before he's arrested. I think if you think about what he would be praying about, it's obviously going to be something that is really important to him. Mm. Um, so if we look at that first, that's in John 17. Okay. Um, 
And we're just going to look at a couple of verses from that. Verse 20 and finish at 23. Okay, let me look that up then. So John chapter 17, John's Gospel chapter 17 from verse 20. So this is Jesus, part of a prayer that Jesus uh, is recorded that Jesus said. So it says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me, even as you loved me. Yes, love them, even as you love me, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, isn't that an amazing kind of positive hope? Um, Because I think we can often, this is what we were talking about earlier, we can often think of God as so far away. um, And yet Jesus is saying we could all be one together. Mm. Um, Yeah, he's saying it over and over again. Yeah, over and over again. It's really emphasised, isn't it? It's really pressing that message home. Um, and I, I just think that's wonderful. Um, so that's just one example. Um, and I've got a whole list of others, but <laughs> we're just going to rattle through them because there's just so yeah. many. Um, but for example, Ephesians 4, the start of Ephesians 4, um, which is a letter in the New Testament. Um, um, there's this big theme of oneness. You've got there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. So he's, there's only one God of everyone um, and he wants to be the God of everyone. He's not mm. picking out certain people. He wants everyone to be saved who is above all and through all and in all. Um, and then First uh, Timothy 2, um, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for everyone. Um, this is right and acceptable in the sight of God who desires everyone to be saved. For there is one God, there is one mediator, Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all. And then uh, there's the quote you mentioned earlier with Paul on um, Mars Hill, is it? Where yeah. he's saying, uh, for one ancestor, God made all nations to inhabit the whole earth. He And it says, he, indeed, he's not far from each one of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being. So this is the idea of this mm. not a distant Victorian father who thinks that children should be seen and not heard. <laughs> he's, he's, he's near to all of us. Um, and involved in what's happening. Um, Ephesians 1 says, this is what God planned for the climax of all times, to bring all things together in Christ, the things in heaven, along with the things on earth. And then the New Testament finishes, um, there's Revelation 21, finishes with this vision of God living with his family, that we're all the family of God and we're living together. So it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away. I saw the holy city coming down out of heaven. I heard a loud voice say, look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. He will dwell with them. Um, so you can see just, just from those quotes that it is a really important hope that's presented in the New Testament of this idea of joining heaven and earth together as one. Yeah, I mean, there's a really good number of examples there and, and they're all picking out this oneness theme and connection closeness God dwelling with with humanity um you know that's that's great so but for those listening don't worry if you didn't manage to write down all of those references we'll we'll put those into the uh, into the episode notes on uh, on on our website biblefeed.org so look out for them there but whenever you're reading the new testament if you just want to look out for things like this there's lots of um pictorial images you can look out for as well um of uh, images that describe the church in the new testament such as um jesus saying he's one vine and and we're the branches of that one vine or the one body made up of many parts the one olive tree the temple made up of living stones and we're all stones in the one temple so yeah 
Um, it's yeah, something yeah. to look out for on almost every page, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, so so we so we've looked, we've been able to see uh, you've shown us how many times this sort of idea crops up, um, and that to put an overemphasis on God being distant and powerful, while that is an aspect of God, um, is is just not getting the full picture. Uh, yeah. In fact, it, it might even be missing the point completely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we we can see that it's this is really worth exploring. So, so let's just dig a little bit deeper into, into that. We've seen those verses that refer to God's desire to be at one with, with human beings. What does that mean, being being one? Okay, so um, to maybe explore this idea a bit further, maybe we could look at Genesis again, um, because we've got a kind of contrast presented to us in those first few chapters of what, what humans could be like and yeah. the kind of potential, and then um, what, we're, what we're actually like at the moment um, and, and the contrast between those two states, really. So... Um, We've got, um, and also it, it kind of happens throughout Genesis as well. We've kind of got this theme of the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent and the yeah. conflict that it kind of happens uh, between these two. Um, but also, of course, that's happening within us as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I think these early chapters of Genesis are kind of a, quite a sophisticated commentary on the brokenness of the, the human condition, that we've got this huge potential, but also we've been created with free will and independence, and there are going to be negative consequences of that because we're able to make our own choices and we don't always make the best choices. Yeah, yeah. So um, in the first part of the narrative, we've got this potential for great relationships, um, both with God and with each other. This thing we were talking about from the New Testament of kind of this horizontal and vertical uh, link. So, for example, Adam and Eve are comfortable in each other's company. So this is kind of symbolised by them being naked and not ashamed. So they're kind of comfortable. They're not um, yeah. there's a trust. There's a shared vulnerability. Um, then they're not hiding from each other. And also we've got God, it seems as if God takes regular walks with them in the garden, mm. which is this really nice picture of this closeness between God and the humans. Um, but then we come across th this desire in the humans to kind of assert their independence or maybe even just to doubt what God says, whether they can trust him or not. Yeah. And so the consequences of that are that Adam and Eve's oneness with God and with each other is broken. So we, um, we talked about yeah. this, I think this, uh, we had an episode on kind of the humanity aspects mm. in the Bible and this talking about how, you know, we're kind of broken. Um, yeah. And there's kind of this hole left, this kind of unfulfilled need that we, we kind of can't trust each other anymore. And we and, and so um, in its place, uh, the place of this beautiful kind of oneness that they had, um, there's kind of suspicion, mistrust, competition, secrets. Um, they hide from God. They're afraid of God now, but they, they weren't afraid of him before. They, they cover that. They try and cover themselves with clothes um, and they see each other as other, as kind of a different yeah. being. They're not one anymore. Um, um, I don't know whether you want to do you want to read a bit from from the Genesis three um, starting. Yeah, at, let's do that. Yeah, yeah. Let's just read a few verses from that just to kind of see the, the kind of uh, human reaction to th this difference now. Where, um, okay. yeah, so if you want to start reading at verse 6 to, and then go up to verse 10. Chapter 3, okay. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was a delight to the eyes that the tree was, was desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were 
were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Okay. Yeah, so you can see this is a picture of what we're all like. Um, that, that We find it hard to open up to, to trust and we're afraid of God now. Um, and that's not really what God wants. Um, and, and then uh, God goes on to talk to um, Adam and Eve and he says to Eve, you, you will desire your husband, but he will rule over you. Yeah. Um, and it, it's this kind of idea that we we all kind of experience this. We have this inbuilt need to be noticed, to be appreciated, to be valued and to share experiences with other people. Um, but we also have this kind of natural suspicion of others. It's hard to be open and to trust and it's hard to be vulnerable. And we also kind of have this natural sense of competition. We want we want to be the best at everything. Um, we want to be kind of noticed and applauded for everything we do. Um, and there's kind of this tension all the time in the way we relate to mm. people. I, I've just got a silly example of this, um, being a parent. So I'm a parent of three primary school aged children. Challenging. So <laughs> it is challenging, especially getting them to school on time. <laughs> um, and there have been many times where I've, we've been rushing to school to get in or we've not made it through the gate in time. Um, but then if there's a morning where I've done well, like, for example, let's say it's photo day and I've remembered the night before that it's going to be photo day at school <laughs> and I've got the clothes cleaned and all ready and we're not frantically searching for matching socks in the morning. We've we've got it all organised and we walk up to school on time. And I'm thinking, yes, I've made it. And then I see another parent kind of who's forgotten that it's photo day and they're trying to do their kid's hair before they go in the classroom and they've realised they've forgotten the tie or whatever. And there's there's me thinking, oh, yeah. I've, I've done well <laughs> I have scored points as a good parent and this person I, I just can't help feeling smug about it this person has not managed to do that this time even though there will have been many occasions where I've been in the same position <laughs> and even though there should be this natural empathy between us because we're kind of going through the same phase of life we're struggling with the same things um, and there's, there's one voice in my head saying oh well done you this is something objective you can uh, assess your parenting against because <laughs> often we, we don't have anything like that yeah. we, yes I did that and then um, I'm thinking oh and they they just you know they didn't manage it oh what a shame I, um, I'm not got that sympathy there for them. <laughs> and then there's another voice in my head saying what why are you thinking this this is a lovely person who is friendly towards you and it's just struggling this morning like mm. you often do why are you thinking these thoughts and it's just that natural kind of tension that we have in us that we just can't seem to help um where we we want to um link and connect and understand people and we want their support mm. and we want to be able to support them and then on the other hand we also want to be the best at everything like i don't want to be just a good parent i want to be the best parent that ever lived <laughs> um and i'm constantly looking for proof of whether i am or, or, or i'm not the best parent that ever lived um, and it's just it's in our nature. And, and I think God is calling us to kind of deliberately try and change those habits, habits of thought there. Yeah, I, I can I can relate to that. I think every parent wants to be the best parent there's ever been and then spends the rest of their life realising that they're not. not. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Um, and, and, I, and I get the point as well about wanting this kind of need and desire for positive interaction and affirmation and, you know, wanting, wanting that with people, mm. but there being something that stops you from opening up and engaging and connecting. And I, I'm a natural introvert. So it, it's, yeah, it's very real for me. Yeah, and, and 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 actually, but actually, an experience when you do allow it to happen and you do open up, generally the the experience is is pretty positive. Yeah, and and all your fears about well, what's going to happen if I open up and engage with people don't come to fruition. They're not realised. So so, what is it that's that's stopping me? Hmm, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of potential barriers. We're all kind of born with our own issues mm. um, that we have to deal with. But I think one of the main barriers is pride. And I think that's why the Bible focuses on it so much, because um, as soon as you kind of feel proud of yourself and your own achievements, um, it kind of prevents you having this empathy with someone else or it kind of... um, you you are raising yourself up on a, a higher level compared to the people around you, um, and and that kind of just immediately breaks that connection down. It's like you're someone struggling. You're looking down the pit at them, going, "You're right down there. Do you need any help?" <laughs> Rather than you know, people say empathy is getting in the pit with the person and kind of experiencing it with them. Um, and also, it, it puts a barrier between us and God as well. Because we're almost saying, "Well, I don't need God. I've, I've done this all on my own. Um, I don't. I don't right. need Him. Um, God owes me, in fact, because I've just done this thing really well. So He needs to reward me now." Yeah. Um, so it's again this this vertical and horizontal <laughs> thing that the pride gets in the way of, of all of that. Okay, so so you made it pretty clear that my problem is pride. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks for that. Thanks for that, Becky. <laughs> But I, but I, I do see what you mean. It's you know that the reticence that we have might come about because you know we don't want to open up and then appear stupid. Mm-hmm. We don't want to open up and then people laugh at us, or or even oh, sometimes you might think we, we don't want to connect with someone because we just think well they're, they're just not worth it, they're not worth the effort, mm-hmm. and that you know that's that's pride all over. Yeah. I think I think many teachings on, of Jesus focus on this really because um, because I think it is such an important thing that we need to sort out in ourselves. So there's, there's I mean I could look at lots of teachings, but I think I'll just focus on one, which is um, you know there's that that passage where he says, "Don't try and sit at the top table. Yeah. Don't assume that's where you belong. Um, choose to sit at the lowest table, um, and maybe maybe you'll just get invited up to the top table." Um, but I don't think he's sort of t- telling us to go turn up at a wedding reception and ignore the seating plan. Um, it's 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 a principle, um, and it's not it's not there just kind of as a kind of add-on. Like you, you can't go around like Uriah Heap from Charles Dickens saying, mm-hmm. "I'm ever so humble." I'm yeah. ever, just kind of on the outside, do these things and assume that therefore you have kind of got you've made it. Yeah. Um, I, I th- there's a reason behind sitting at the lowest table, which is that you you start to see the people who maybe are kind of beneath you as far as society thinks. Um, you know, because we have our silly classifications. Um, but when you, when you actually share a meal with them, um, you realise they're just normal like you are mm. um, and you learn to know what their issues are what their what things are holding them back what they're struggling with and how you and, and then you, you kind of think of ways you can help um, or you maybe realize that actually you need their help with something um, and it's all about this building connection and community um, so it's not just a thing to do to make yourself look good it, it's got a purpose and I think a lot of teachings of Jesus are like that you, you know it's, you can't mm. just kind of add them on 
um, and assume that the inside will kind of sort itself out if you just make yourself behave on the outside the right way. It's all about completely changing your attitude. And in doing so, hopefully you're able to be one with people. Um, there's um, in, in Acts 2, there's a beautiful passage talking about how people um, end up being if they try and follow Jesus in this way. And they, they, they feel part of this one family of God. Um, and that's in Acts 2, verses 44 to 47. Which... Yeah, so all the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. So there's a real, a really powerful image of, of people kind of living as one um so we were wondering what what it means to be one and i think this this quote really kind of puts some practical mm. um aspects to that so so we've got them sharing everything um distributing to people who need them and it's everyone it's not necessarily just people in within yeah, yeah. the church it's just you know it's uh, and, and for people people yeah. across different occupations different yeah. social status and standing exactly so there'd have been slaves and free yeah. people and jew and gentile um, later on and and it and they're demonstrating god's goodness to everyone so there's there's that idea of imaging god again Mm. Uh, that by doing this you are being an image of god um, yeah. at least you know not not <laughs> not in the same complete way that yeah. jesus did it but you know it's a step in the right direction um and they're, and they're called a community the lord added daily mm. to the community those who are being saved um i mean that that is a little glimpse of of what is achievable what what might yeah. be possible uh, i mean it, it quickly kind of descends from that in the <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in the in the record in acts because the next the next incident i think is ananias oh, and sapphira who who lie about mm. the uh proceeds they got from selling a piece of land so that's an example yeah. there where they're trying to do the the external stuff that everyone else is yeah. doing but they haven't yeah. got, it's not coming from inside yeah. yeah um and 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 then later in the new testament in philippians 2 um it says that we need to put on the mind of christ and it talks in quite a lot of detail about what that is um and so we can kind of take a lesson from that as to what it means to kind of set aside this pride yeah and the consequences of that and it kind of reminds me of when jesus washed his disciples feet um it's kind of there's a lot of imagery in there about the way he does that so philippians chapter 2 verse oh we'll skip a few bits so let's just start with verses 1 to 5 okay so here we go therefore if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in love, any sharing in the spirit, any sympathy, complete my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, being united and agreeing with each other. Don't do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility, think of others as better than yourselves. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others. Adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And then um, verse seven says he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave. Yeah. And then verse verse 12, it says, therefore, my loved ones, just as you always obey me, not just when I'm present, but now even more while I'm away, carry out your own salvation with fear and trembling. God is the one who enables you both to want and to actually live out his good purposes. Um, so you've got this idea of, of everybody's looking out for each other. Mm. They're not thinking of themselves as better than other people. They're, they're kind of they're conscious of their place in comparison to God. Um, and in comparison to each other and and then it says among these people you shine like stars in the world because you hold on to the word of life so there's this idea that this kind of behavior and this attitude is shining out the glory of god to everyone yeah, yeah. 
That's great. I and mean, a really, really good example. It's interesting how, how we started out talking about how do we perceive God? And actually, we've talked quite a lot about what we do as people. Yeah. You know, which kind of illustrates the practical connection between how we think about God and relationship with him and, and how that affects us as, as human beings. And, and the examples you've shown show Jesus certainly breaking down the, the man-made social and status barriers uh, that, that, uh, that prevent people connecting with each other mm. um, and, and loving one another as a way of connecting with God uh, and so reflecting his image. But, but can, can we even go too far in that direction? Uh, as well and the emphasis is all on being one being the same does does mm. that mean we're all going to be the same you know, we're all kind of copies of each other because yeah. we're all trying to be like jesus yeah. um yeah you can see how you would arrive at that idea um but yeah i don't i don't think that's um what the bible puts forward i think it's more like a, a kind of one orchestra or one patchwork quilt where there's mm. there's lots of difference in there there's lots of diversity there's plenty of room for different personalities and talents and um, creative expression we don't there's not not, you know one answer to everything mm. um so you can see this in the allegory of the human pair in eden that together they make up the image of god but they are two separate people um and and then they're asked to multiply so each each human can show kind of almost like different facets of god and, and we can all learn from each other and and grow in that sense and then if you think about the disciples that jesus picked so um he picked 12 very kind of different yeah, people from different backgrounds different yeah. personalities you got kind of the more hot-headed ones and the more kind of thoughtful ones and um, you've got fishermen you've got tax collectors um so even just within that small group there's a massive amount of difference um and then going on into later writings of paul who he talks about the, the church being the body of christ so you can see there there's different parts of the body doing different things and they have different experience to offer. They've got different skills, different personalities, even just the differences between the apostles, the Paul and Peter, a, mm. a really stark contrast there. And they're all part of this one body. So I think we can we can both build on our own gifts and we can also learn from other people. So, for example, if we're both introverted, we can <laughs> hopefully learn to be a bit more outgoing, a bit more confident from perhaps more confident people. Um, so I think there's an enormous potential there for creativity and for us to choose um, different options to, be, to kind of develop this this wisdom that we're called upon to develop um, where we kind of learn from our experience from other people and from from the bible um, and so that it's it's quite dynamic it's not kind of this small little box that we've all got to fit into um, but it's kind of more organic than that I yeah guess. yeah yeah uh, yeah so thanks thanks for that uh, becky it, it seems as though uh, you know that the idea of seeing god uh, as, as desiring to be at one with with people is is a, is a really rich concept that uh, that we can embrace and and look for as a theme uh, as we as we read the bible it's a really important part of, of what god is wanting from us but it, it's it's equally about choice and free will and that's where the sort of self-expression and yeah. creative the opportunity the scope for creativity and different aspects of our personalities and experiences can be um, can be equally reflective of, of the image of God and give glory to God uh, who who made us. So, is there something uh, as we just wrap up now? Is something finally that you'd you'd say to people, our listeners, who who, who have perhaps not thought about this aspect so much before? Okay, um, yeah, I guess I'd say that I, I find connection as an idea towards this kind of idea of oneness. I find that easier to relate to than or almost than just saying love. Um, mm. We took all to love God and love our neighbour, but how, what does that mean? What, what if I don't like someone? <laughs> How do I how do I overcome this? But I suppose connection feels like a more kind of achievable thing to start with, um, and also a fairly easy thing to spot as we read through the Bible as well. Um, 
so I feel like it's something that we can all relate to. Um, it's kind of relevant to us now, especially now where we're, we're yeah. kind of considering how do we connect with people when we can't actually see them face to face. And so I'd say start looking in the gospel, see how Jesus connects with people, um, how he connects them to each other, um, yeah. how he kind of inspires them to relate to each other better because of how he does it. And then kind of start trying to do that yourself. So that if, if you find connected people particularly hard or or just when you're stressed, you find it hard because we all do. Um, just try and build it into your life in simple ways, like more eye contact, more trying to be present in the moment with people, more trying to listen to them to understand where they're coming from rather than just to mm. think something clever to say in response. And then just trying to be more inclusive of people and, and trying to include them in what you're doing, what you're um, organising or whatever. So you're kind of actively trying to build this community around you. You're trying to connect people together. And I think if we kind of seek and pray for the, that connection with God as well, I think it will come because because we're trying to then align our purpose with his purpose in, in kind of yeah. um, making these connections and this oneness um, start to happen. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I think that, that's a really good place to, to finish. So mm-hmm. thank you very much, uh, Becky, for joining us and and, uh, and being part of this conversation. It's it's kind of wandered around a few different aspects of, uh, of how we think about God and, and how we think about ourselves and connect with each other. But... Uh, uh, thank you very much and, and thank you for, for those listening I hope you found it interesting and enjoyable and uh, we will be back soon you've been listening to the Bible Feed podcast thanks for joining us we're always keen to hear what you think hear your questions or subjects you'd like to discuss so get in touch with us on our Facebook page or send a message from our webpage at biblefeed.org and be part of the journey